Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Alien Theorist Theorizing. We got a special episode for you today. Shadows in the Desert. I'm Brayden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. And we're welcoming to the show Derek Hayes from Monsters Among Us and David Flora from Blurry Photos with the upcoming documentary Shadows in the Desert. Welcome, dudes. Good to see you. Hey, what's up, guys? It's been a while. I think AlienCon 2019, I think, was when we... All. Yes. Was it or was it 2018? We were all different people back then. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it was a long time it ago. It was a long time ago. Go back in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, it was like 30 pounds ago, and you know, <laughs> two inches of my hairline, probably. Oh yeah, uh, at least two yeah, inches yeah. for me. Yeah. You know what's sweet? Okay, this is a conspiracy. You know, we don't. I don't want to go too deep on because I think it's touching too many topics here. <laughs> but I just want to bring it up again. The four of us. Now the six of us are beating the odds in one of four men will have male pattern baldness. Something's going on in the conspiracy world here, right? In the <laughs> conspiracy crypto world, something's happening we, because we've been every infected. single one of us, you talk about this stuff, hair is gone. I don't know what's six going on. Six for six. You know who, who, know who has a, a head of hair though? Uh, Brent Hand. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Oh, that's sure. it. He does. He does. Yeah. He's yeah. the only one. Glorious. Yeah. Yeah. I can I once can't grow facial hair to save his yeah. soul, but David over here with this majestic mustache is always just <laughs> excellently quaffed. Thank you. Incredible. Incredible. Anyways, yeah, you guys got yourselves your first is it your first documentary, at least together? It is, it is yeah. It's uh it's our first uh film project, I guess. You know, I worked in film in a prior life, but uh, none of that was mine. It was just a company I worked for. This is the first one that, you know, that we created ourselves, and it was quite the undertaking. Mm-hmm. Shadows in the Desert. It's a great title, number one. Oh, and the poster? The art? Yeah, awesome. you got... Yeah. The marketing, yeah, marketing's on point right off the start here. Yeah, because... We had plenty of time to work on the marketing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, I was going to say... five years in the email. making, yeah. Yeah, we had an email, yeah. I think, from two years ago being like, hey, we're... When we get this, <laughs> can we promote it? Like, sure. Yeah. Like, they yeah. kind of forgot about it. And then we're excited. Yeah. I was like, I was like, when you email us about this again, I was like, do we just, do we, do we just get back? Do we go back in time? Yeah. Did we, we, like, time slip? <laughs> what happened? We got, here? The old, we got the old circling back. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Two years later. 
it might have already happened to you guys just forgot about it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So what, what you guys were like 147 on the bad. list for us to talk. I felt yeah. bad. I was like, do we miss it? Do we did it come out? We missed it? Like <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> Terrible people. <laughs> uh I was super excited. So you guys went out to the it's Shadows in the Desert. You guys took your you guys took it on the road and you guys went to the Boriegos Triangle. Is that what it is? Borrego. Yeah, Borrego. 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 Borrego, yeah. It's Spanish for sheep or, you know, the uh, bighorn sheep that live down in this area. That's, that's Wake up, Borregos. Well, so. <laughs> yes. That's a, that's a, you should have said that in the movie. Yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> Damn it, regards. <laughs> now, what makes it the Borrego Triangle? Because every time we talk, talk about triangles, especially on the show, it's always something bad. Something's going wrong. Something's missing. Someone's going missing. There's some type of creature there's a vortex there's something so what's going on or all down or all of the above what's going on in the brago triangle all of that is going all on the down there. <laughs> quite quite frankly there's a lot of activity that's that's taking place in this little area there's a state park down there that's called uh make sure i get this right Bra- uh <laughs> david help me out here and um, brago desert state park <laughs> There you go. I was literally stumbling on that. Anzabrego <laughs> Desert State Park is the name of the park. I've said it nine million times and somehow blanked on it. But um, it's it's a huge park. You know, it's the size of Rhode Island down there. It covers a lot of desert area, a lot of mountainous area. Uh, there's a little bit of the largest lake in California. It's that uh, area as well. And located in this area we uncovered was all sorts of stuff from glowing orbs of light to, you know, ghost stories from the Old West, Bigfoot-type creatures, UFOs, military connection, uh, all kinds of, of weird things. I'm probably missing a handful of things. Uh, just it seemed like it piled up and piled up. So we started, you know, plotting all these things on a map. And before you knew it, we had like a triangle shape. I'm like, of course, this is going to be of a course. triangle. Everything yeah. else is a triangle. So uh, that, that's sort of where the Brego triangle came from. It was just too clever of a name not to use. And coincidentally, a lot of the activity formed that shape anyway. So it was pretty easy for us. Now, after you guys gave us an advanced screener, and it's not just you guys didn't just shoot this on your phone. This thing looks good. You guys, congratulations! This is fucking awesome. It, it was Thank phenomenal. You. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. One of the questions I had, really quickly, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away because the documentary is awesome. Um, but there was a copy of Desert Magazine that was gifted, and I noticed there was only one copy. How much issues did that did that <laughs> cause? Was there a riff? Is that why there was such a delay? That's why I'm living in Colorado years. now. <laughs> I, I keep trying to visit David and, and the addresses he gives me, just random houses. He doesn't live there. Uh, actually, yeah, that that's it's, it's really weird because I cannot find another copy of that. David has the copy because he was going to scan it in, and he's had it for years now. And he has never scanned um, it. He's never scanned it. You know, he's never done anything with it. He just sleeps with it at night. Uh, no, I've been looking on eBay. I've been looking. I've been contacting people with collections, trying to find another copy of this, and I cannot find one. Last week, my wife actually gave me the full year, uh, like a is a hardback edition of that magazine, and it's inside there, but that's not really displayable. So the search yeah. continues. But uh, yeah, that was that was a pretty cool gift. We were really excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Now that mag- that that issue of the magazine now it's it's significant because it has one of the you said it's one of the first like confirmed or published reports of the one of the paranormal activity like paranormal creatures uh, denizens or whatever of the uh, of that area right the the Sandman is is that, is that correct Sandman Rego Sandman they called it yeah. They, uh, in in the issue, it says the abominable sand, Sandman of Borrego. That's awesome. Um, 
and they it uh, it's an article written by a uh, I think an ex marine who was out there just kind of trekking around and found footprints and then had another encounter where there was some rustling in bushes or something. I don't know. He tied it all together, but um, just out there in the middle of the desert in the dunes and stuff. And so that kind of laid the groundwork for opening up the door to re- the rest of this amazing stuff that happens. And that was from all the way back in 1964. So these stories have been around for, you know, much longer than that, but it, you know, at the very least that long. Like when I think about like I, this creature's been described somewhat like a Bigfoot, right? A bipedal, you know. When mm-hmm. I, when I think of you know Sasquatch, Bigfoot, the last place you'd think that they would be living would be in the desert. Exactly. Right? Like what's so like it seems like it's kind of inhospitable, right? So what's what's unique about you know the Borrego, uh, abominable Borrego man or whatever? It's like how does he <laughs> survive Borrego. here? Like that's right. <laughs> Well, to be honest, there are a lot of legends from this this area. I'm, I'm in Southern California, not too far from from the park and the Triangle, but there are a lot of legends here. The Zubies, uh, Zoomies, yeah, Zubies. Make sure I get that right. Zoomies are what cats do. Zubies are the. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like the San Diego area. The technical term for it is Zoomies. Yeah. Right. It's a very technical term. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, big like me picturing Bigfoot with Zoomies is oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> What's that noise? Yeah. But uh, yeah, east of San Diego, there's there's the Zoomies there. I did it again. The Zoomies <laughs> there. And then uh, the Mountain Devils was another name. So essentially this this area, it, it's it's a higher elevation. So they get more water. There's trees and stuff. So the, the triangle in the park itself is kind of divided into two sections. There's the higher elevation that's what, seven, 8,000 feet. They get snow and everything down there, and then the lower desert regions. And what we sort of theorized, I guess, I'll use the word, uh, is that this creature, if it does exist, sort of migrates between you know the higher and the lower regions of the park. And in the summertime, they go up top, and in the wintertime, they go down to the valleys. And that's where the sighting, you know, the dates of the sighting seem to align with that anyway. So that's that's our theory going into this, that if something does live there, that is quite possible that it migrates frequently to uh, chase the weather, essentially. Well, and there's there's like there's big predators in that area too, so it wouldn't. Oh be, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be that wild to say that there is a big predator that does that because the like there's big cats and stuff in that area. Yeah, we have black bear that I don't I don't know how often they're down in the desert flat area, but they're up in the mountains for sure, and then mountain lions, uh, the bighorn sheep, deer. You know, there's a lot of larger mammals in that area. Coyote. And it's, I mean, it's not that far off to think of like a Sasquatches or desert, Sandsquatches, I guess you can call it. Sandsquatches. <laughs> um, I, I mean, and there are reports of, you know, large hairy bipedal creatures living in the desert or even, you know, it fits in Those with some theories ancestors. that they are. Yeah. <laughs> 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 or they're being migratory you at said some it. point. Like uh, they have, a, I mean, there have been reports where people say like, oh yeah, like they come in through here, like every Every year, there's like, you know, a couple of them come through or come through the certain areas or whatever. So it's like, yeah, to me, it makes a lot of sense that if you had um, a creature that would be like, yeah, move up and down if it's intelligent enough and just to, to follow the weather mm-hmm. and the food where it goes. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me, um, you know, and the, like the footprints in that in the um, in the magazine article and the ones that you uh, you have in the documentary, like those ones look pretty interesting. Like you got something like physical evidence of something stomping around out there like eh. <laughs> made me think i was like i thought it was just I, yeah, there's been when, some evidence collected yeah. over the years yeah yeah at least back and, in the and frankly when we got out there 
frankly, when we got out there, I don't know, I can't speak for David, but I didn't put a lot of faith in the idea that Bigfoot could live out there, you know, with Sasquatch, whatever. It just, to me, it just didn't seem hospitable enough for something like that. But once we got out there, realized how big the space is, first of all, and that that it, you know, uh, half a day's walk and it could be at 8,000 feet running water, pine trees, you know, it's just a forest up there. Uh, you know, once we realized that, and then we started looking at the dates, of a lot of these sightings, you know, if the, if the sighting was in July, then we know it was in the mountains. And if the sighting was in December, we know it was down in the flatland somewhere. And it really aligned that way. So it was really interesting. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say, I believe the Sasquatch is there, but I, that, that needles moved a little bit for me. I'll be honest. Yeah. It, that, that idea it, by itself, the migration really moved the needle for both of us, um, and then we talked to uh, one of the park biologists, I guess, or he he works out of what's what's the place he works out of, Derek, uh, Jim Dice. Uh, it 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 was the Borrego uh, the Desert Research Desert Center, Center, or something Center, like that. I believe the something Desert like Research that. Center. That's what it was. Yeah, but he's a and botanist for the for the park. So so he told us about a ton of, and we included some of that in the in the film mm-hmm. about possible things they could use to eat. And, you know, it was things you wouldn't even think of, like the mesquite pods. And um, he said the barrel cactus could be used. You know, it's not tasty, but it could be used. And, of course, the insects that are running around, the lizards, the smaller stuff. Um, And, I mean, he listed out a ton of stuff that we were just like, wow, all that. Like, that's like a smorgasbord in the desert. (laughs) Well, no kidding. If, If it is like some type of ape. Right, um, like an omnivore, eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you could eat, catch a squirrel, catch a fox, catch a coyote, catch anything, eat cactus. I mean, the desert heat is inhospitable, but you know, freezing temperatures are probably more inhospitable. And if Bigfoot lives in the middle of the mountains in BC and it's minus forty, and he can survive, <laughs> like why can't he? Why can't he survive in the desert? Just find some shade, catch a catch a breeze, like what. So when people say, like, oh, there's no way a Bigfoot could live in the desert, like, why not? There's stuff to eat. Well, there were a lot of caves and stuff yeah, down exactly. there that we, oh, yeah. that we found. Uh, mud caves. There was some a place called the Wind Caves that kind of looked like where the Flintstones lived. Uh, so there's definitely places that you can get away from the heat for the day. And then essentially you just become nocturnal. Come out at night. Survive that just like, situation. Yeah, just yeah. like any, the other any cool, predator in the desert. The other cool thing, too, is that those heat, uh, sorry, those rocks retain heat through a good portion of the night because we camped out there for uh, mm-hmm. filming the Kickstarter and we we camped out pretty close to the base of one of those hills around there and you could feel the heat coming mm-hmm. off the rock uh, after the sun went down. Do you remember that, Derek? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, heat is the name of the game out there. It was in the 120s while we were shooting. Ooh. I think it got up to 122 at one point while we were out, actually a couple different days, it was 122. Is that when you guys switched and, like cowboy hats? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> everybody makes fun of the hats, but those were like a survival item. That's what I was saying. I was like, yeah, point, you right? guys came, you went out there, you had the regular ball cap out, and then you guys switched to the cowboy hats. I was like, oh, that you hot. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna I, ask I'll be honest, they do a lot to keep that shade on you. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, for as hot as you guys were describing, I was like, so not a lot of sweat marks in those shirts, boys. Like, you got how often yeah. are you having to change those? <laughs> you Every hour on the hour. <laughs> yeah, we just had these these pads that we put under our shirts. No, no, it's all visual uh, effects. They I, just, I they think took it out in post. 
<laughs> well, honestly, what happened is we passed the point of sweating, and we just didn't sweat anymore. There's nothing I mean, left. Dehydration <laughs> and heat stroke had sunken <laughs> yeah. in by that point. Hmm. We did. Uh, get yeah, it was a it was a stinky, sweaty shoot. That's for sure. And, and we did get uh, we did get heat stroke while we were filming one day. David wow. and I both got it. Yeah, you guys were out there yeah, hiking out there. Yeah, like you guys are hiking into some of the places, like uh, some of the shots, and like um, you know, you had the one guide showing you around to the sandstone caves and all of that stuff. And I was like, that that's a hike. Like that's <laughs> this. Like, yeah, um, it didn't even. Yeah, go ahead, David. Well, yeah, the, this is when we were shooting the Kickstarter um, trailer is when it hit us the hardest, which is good because that was the first thing we did and we could learn from it. But I think we were out there for about four hours just hopping around the boulders, walking around the hills there, trying to find some, you know, things here and there, uh, some of the petroglyphs and things. And it was, I think, October or November. It was sometime where it wasn't 100,000 degrees during the day. There was a breeze. It was pleasant and so we were out there, you know, like, oh, you know, we got water. <laughs> and then we we went to dinner after that, and we all just kind of sat there and stared at our plates. <laughs> and then, like, Derek throws up. I'm, like, dry heaving back at camp. Like, <laughs> once we once we kind of cooled down, cooled down a little bit, then we shot the trailer for the, like, hey, guys, give us money for this Kickstarter. Yeah. Like, we're both yeah, dying. Pre-record purge, right? You're getting all skinny. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it was, yeah. yeah right. This is, and this will be great for your listeners, but this is, I think, when oh. we woke up one day. 117. I took a screenshot, 117. That's when you woke up? That was up? when we... We we woke up, went outside, and uh, yeah, started uh, immediately back inside. Are you, are, <laughs> we wait. woke up and <laughs> just went home. Are you can't, just, are you tenting it? Or do you like what? Are you sleeping in a tent? So well, the first shoot, degrees? yeah, we did. Yeah, the first one we, we did. did. We did stay in a oh. tent for that. For it was just one night, but the other one we had, we rented out this big Airbnb that had air conditioning. Yeah, that went down to I think like eighty six or something, and it felt like that's as cold, I don't know, that's Alaska. as cold as they could get. It, it felt great. <laughs> I feel I that's feel, as I cold of, as it would get. I yeah. kind of feel like you guys are fibbing a little bit because I feel like you went in a tent and then you found out that there's an eight foot wandering skeleton in the desert, and you're like, okay, well, we're not doing this. Well, that thing is straight out of Scooby Doo, man. Yeah. With the land that and everything, that's like, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the There was a lot of miners' legends that we found there because it was, you know, a big prospecting area. So it, it's there's a blurred line between what was made up to keep people away from their claim and, you know, what's actually roaming around out there. But we, we did hear a skeleton with a burning lantern in its chest. We heard that story from a lot of different places. So that was wow. one that persisted for a long time. Oh, that's cool. Burning lantern um, in its chest. It makes sense when you think about it too, right? Because like with all the the gold mining and stuff in that area, they're thinking about all the death and misery and stuff. Obviously, there was the few people that hit it rich and stuff, but like that, all that negative energy that's been like imprinted in that land, it's definitely got to be paranormally activated, like hundred percent. That there's a, a stagecoach line that runs through there, and that's where a, lar- a large portion of these ghost stories come from. And you're right, like those things were hit a lot, robbed, you know, um, people were uh, in the, in the film, people would get sick and they would die along the way. Um, yeah. Uh, they, they all dissed Terry and they all, you know, succumbed to the fate. Um, 
and and then the the greed aspect you know people went crazy over greed and killed each other a couple and murders then there were some weird uh stories like in the uh, warner springs area where there was a watering hole and bodies just kept turning up and it eventually became known as dead man hole and the weirdest part about it was that none of their stuff was stolen they still had their money and guns and watches and everything on them so it's just wild so yeah there's a lot of night negativity going all through there in the documentary, one of the things I loved is I, you had someone talking about the skeleton. They're like, I don't think an eight-foot skeleton would be out there. And then, like, in the next shot, there's a beautiful shot of you guys talking to the park ranger. And, David, it looks like it was shot. Peter Jackson shot it, and it looks like you're talking to hobbits. You're, like, towering over. <laughs> you look like you're over a roof. You're, you're just, I was like, this is, they're going to have the gall to say this thing couldn't exist, and then they're going to show you on camera? Like, yeah, it's like he's being an inch taller it's than right David. There. Like, it's yeah, it's huge. Right That's him. Put a leg in his chest. <laughs> God damn it, you cracked the code. This interview's over. Eight foot. Real life. What do you What do you get to tell us about your What do you tell us about your gold claim that you got out there? This Scooby Doo just unmasked David. I'm already on kayak.com looking for flights to come and kill you fuckers. Would have got away with it too. Speaking in the chest and the light, that's it's an interesting the light in the chest because i found that interesting because of all the other like kind of light phenomenon in the area i was kind of like oh maybe that's kind of tied in with the legend and stuff and people are already kind of seeing light phenomenon in that area that's a good point i didn't think of uh there, there are a lot of reports of just balls of light throughout the desert uh there'll be people driving down the road and they'll shoot across the road in front of them uh, there was a train derailment that may or may not have been caused by one of these ghost orbs but uh, yeah, I guess if you saw the the eight foot skeleton with the lantern in his chest from a distance, it's just going to be a glowing ball of light. So maybe that's what people are seeing. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I always kind of thought like it, it. Like, like someone's like, yeah, that's what that is. It's a that giant ass. <laughs> that's that's what it is from now on. Get you, yeah. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> now, of all the stu- uh, all the stuff you guys have like talked about on your podcast and stuff. How did you guys come to the agreement? Like, this is this is the documentary you want to shoot. Like, this area of all the stuff is it? How'd that come about? Well, I guess it started with me. Uh, I, I camp a lot. You know, I live in Southern California. It's it's a big recreational area. So my wife and I would go out to the desert and, and camp out there and, and explore. And I would hear all these legends, you know, Bigfoot stories, UFO stories. I'd see the videos online of all the UFO videos cop, uh, captured out there. So anyway, I, I would go to the bookstore there. I'm like, hey, what books do you have on the paranormal? Do you have a documentary? Do you have a pamphlet? Do you have it? They had nothing, absolutely nothing mm-hmm. at this bookstore or anywhere. Uh, the visitor center didn't mention any of this paranormal stuff. So uh, I kind of planted a seed in David's head. And after a couple of weeks, a couple of months, we started talking about it. Like, you know, let's do a project out there. And it kind of just evolved into this documentary. I don't know what it was going to be to begin with, but I don't know that it was going to be what it ended up being. Yeah, because I'd never heard, we've heard of a lot of triangles, but never this one. So especially in this realm, there's like so many podcasts yeah. to talk about this stuff and there's so many documentaries, but so kind of discover, not discover, but kind of like present something that's not very well heard of. Uncover, I guess, is the best way to say it. Yeah, because all this stuff existed before we got there, but we just kind of brought it to everybody's attention. It's more like once we realized all this activity was there and that nobody was talking about it, it was obvious. (laughs) Just made it fit into a triangle. 
That's perfect. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just another another triangle yes. inside Craig's triangle. <laughs> Just squeezed nice. everything in there. Yeah, we have a we have a we have an ongoing triangle that we've discovered ourselves. It kind of goes across the entire continent World. of North America. <laughs> we call it Craig's triangle. It's, you, and it's spooky because a lot of these other triangles kind of fall seem right to pop up in somewhere it. in it. And we theorize that it may float. Weird. Like there, as the earth rotates, that triangle might kind of float around it, a little bit. It follows the procession of the equinox, I believe. <laughs> Throughout the thousands of years, it kind of wobbles. So it's it's like an ethereal plate tectonics, it, it sounds uh, like. Yeah. I like that's a great term. <laughs> yeah. There yes. you go. Ethereal I mean, plate Craig's traveling triangle. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a there's a ton of stuff down here. We could have extended this probably. Uh it would have cheated a little bit because it would have made it just gigantic. But Riverside is um a place we were considering because there's the uh or is it is it is it am I saying that right, uh Derek? It's the, I'm thinking of the Fontana Speedway monster. Is that in Riverside? Yeah, well the the general area here is it's called Inland Empire, and there's a bunch of little communities. Um, Riverside has the Riverside Monster, which was like this That's lizard man esque creature that jumped out of a culvert and attacked this guy in a car. Awesome. Uh, the Fontana Raceway Monster, Speedway Monster, was this That's Bigfoot type creature. Well, I've I'll back up and Did say you drive that like there a little a car with like his eyes bugging out and like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like one of those little shiny cars. I know that illustration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> racer for sure. That's what I'm picturing in my head now. <laughs> so and there then, was a drag strip there, and uh, whenever they you know race the cars, they get really loud, and these creatures would come out of the hills, out of the mountains, and like get up to the fence and just throw a fit, like shake their fists in the air, essentially because of all the noise. So that became known as the Speedway Monster, and then when they, you know, when the Speedway went away, the monster did as well. That was 60s, 70s. Uh, yeah, yeah. And a lot uh, of these legends in the area uh, is the point. You filed enough that, noise yeah. complaints with the city, got them shut down. Got them shut down, yeah. <laughs> the original Karen's. <laughs> but like but you know, we 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 settled on triangle because I mean the Borrego oh. dodecahedron just doesn't really yeah, doesn't flow. Have, that that well. ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gotta be triangle. Yeah. It's gotta be a triangle. Yeah. <laughs> like especially if if it fits there, I mean, I mean, you got to hit the it's, it's searchability, baby. We're not making documentaries for D and D nerds, like <laughs> <laughs> you can take uh, your icosahedron and shove it. <laughs> you're like Borigo Square. I don't know what we should call this thing. <laughs> we had that conversation, like, what you know, what is this thing? And then you know, one of us said Borigo Triangle, and it was it just stuck. I mean, that's yeah. what it became at that point but uh yeah it's just a weird weird area i mean it just feels weird when you even drive into town it's just you get out of the car and like what the hell is this place <laughs> it's one of those uh yeah because it's uh, you show some shots of the town i i went on their website was it the borrego like city tre- like God, their treasury department or whatever put out a thing and uh just look at it it's like you know one of those little uh you know stopover towns that you're kind of like when you think of Southern California, you think of the kind of like the the road culture, you know, the kind of like you know the stop mm. in the kind of uh, what are they called the the tourist traps, like a little tourist trap kind of culture that you go through, and it reminds me of that, which is always something that I feel like appeals to you know a large crowd of going into there because like we've talked about we talked about the Integratron, which is also in Southern California. Oh, yeah. That's right in that area. Yeah, too. yeah. So it's like all, all of Southern California. I feel like it's just this weird kind of like area that just has some kind of energy whether it's the, the you know the the uniqueness of each like you know the unincorporated towns that are kind of out there where everybody kind of these 
you know, just like these unique people and the cultures kind of congregate all together and just like create this this strange kitschy culture. It's just always like super interesting <laughs> to see. Um, so you've been there. Is what yeah, it sounds like. <laughs> I mean, you're painting a picture. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, these are unique little places. And, and you know, Brego Springs, which is the center of the triangle, the center of the park, it's not on the way to anything. I mean, you got to, if you go there, you got to be going there for a reason because you're not going to pass by headed anywhere else. So, you know, they do things to kind of lure people in. There's a super bloom, usually every spring, where all the wildflowers bloom. And they have a lot of metal sculptures of like camels and dragons and stuff that are oh, the size cool. of a house or, you know, the size of a city <laughs> bus or something that are really cool. Uh, and of course, all the spooky shit that's out there. Because it's like, it's right, that town's like right smack dab in the middle of the parks. Like, it's just like, it's right there, which is, you look on the map and you're just like, it's just right there. And you're like, yeah, how is this town still here? It's like, according to Polites, David Polites, like this town should be wiped off the face of the planet. <laughs> and if it's in the middle of the state <laughs> park. Well, if you show up in the middle of the summer, you'll think that because there's nobody there. Everything's closed down. You know, it's a definitely a winter place, but uh, just ev- everything out there is just very strange. And, you know, I'm not going to call the people strange, but they live out there for a reason. You we'll know, call them strange. There, we'll, do it, we'll do it for you. Reason, so. We'll do it for Weird you. Yeah. They're Canadian. They can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they're, they're, they're different, different, different it nationality. It takes an unusual person to live out in the desert like yeah, that. Yeah, no so, kidding. Uh, that's a good start. Now, we don't, we don't want to give too much away of the documentary because it is really good and I want people to watch it. But I just wanted to quickly touch on, you got like found some like, were they cave paintings or cave etchings that kind of seem to show like potentially like a fucking, like a Bigfoot like kind of look, looking creature? Yeah, they were, um, um, I, I go back and forth. I, I keep forgetting if they're pictographs or petroglyphs. <laughs> um, I think those were petroglyphs pictographs are, are pounded into the rock so these are actually like painted on, painted the rock, on? I believe. Yeah. so yeah these were these are painted on and they they yeah. are like legit um hundreds if not maybe a thousand years old um and they survive because it's so dry and you know they're very remote and we almost killed ourselves trying to get to a set of them and um and so you know that's a that was an important thing that we wanted to not only show for the the culture of it and stuff, but remind people like not to screw them up. You know they're they're artifacts and no touchy, yeah. no touch. Well, yeah, do do not touch. And you also no. establish the fact that you know this this area has been inhabited by humans for thousands of years. Like people have mm-hmm. lived out there even you know before the advent of the air conditioner and like people were living out there they found a way yeah Yeah. back Um, in the olden days (laughs) the before times (laughs) i I just think that kind of stuff is cool because it it, it like lives outside of like modern like bigfoot culture like this whoever was there before seeing something or thought they seen something that looked like this bigfoot the sandman hundreds of years if not longer (laughs) before the patterson gimlin film you know like there was yeah. no, like, it's yeah. like, it's like, a rem- it's removed. It's a whole different side of like these, like looking for these hominids. Well, that was certainly one of the things that drew us out there and, and drew us to this project was this artwork. Because if you look at it, look at it, there's three or four celestial objects. We don't know what they are, but one's blue, one's like the color of the sun, like a yellow, orangish. And I think there's a red one. They're all different colors and they're all in the sky together. So we're looking at this thinking, you know, 
are they depicting UFOs? And then a few feet away, there's these creatures with long arms and three fingers with claws on them. I'm like, are, are these the Brigo Sandman that people are talking about? Like all this stuff seems to align with what's been reported, you know, not only uh, contemporarily, but, you know, for hundreds of years, you know, all the way back to the Butterfield stage line that went through there from, where did I go from Yuma all the way to, to San Diego? And that was the first Southern route that was open uh, to a lot of these, these Western uh, coastal um, communities out there. So uh, yeah, the, the, the point is there's, there's a lot of weird stuff. I, I just keep hammering that point home. Like you get out there and you just start lifting up rocks literally and figuratively. And there's all kinds of weird stuff out there. And you guys weren't just lifting at like you were just lifting up rocks. Like you guys went out there kitted out for uh, you know uh, ghost hunting, right? Like you guys took all your uh, ghost hunting equipment out there to to search for some of the stuff that not just the flesh and blood, but also you know the bit of the paranormal, I suppose, supernatural. We tried both. Yeah, we did yeah. both investigate. We did a ghost hunt at Yaki Well which is, uh, you know, an ancient well that's now dried up, but there was supposedly a battle there, a, a fight that broke out. And I don't want to give the story away, but it's now haunted because of said fight. Mm-hmm. So we went there and did some investigating uh, with the equipment that we had, and then we did a Bigfoot hunt a couple nights later, or a Sandman hunt, I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll call it. But um, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, the place is huge, so we just pick a spot, like maybe the, maybe there's a Bigfoot here, who, who knows? So we kind of feel a little silly out there in the middle of the in the woods hooting and hollering, but they're out there somewhere. So, you know, chances of finding them there is just as good as anywhere else, I suppose. That's a, it's an interesting thing that like, yeah, that area of the desert. Cause like even, you know, I had a, a caller uh, last week on cosmic channels call in from like camping in the desert who described being in a tent and seeing like a light, bright flashing light that they thought was, they described it as almost like a lighthouse that it flashed on them, kind of went away, flashed on them again. And then they all of a sudden felt a presence on the outside of their tent, like in this area. And like, they're like, we just left the morning. Like my dad was like, who the fuck's out there? And then they all kind of scrambled together (laughs) to see. And they're like, no one's there, like packed up and left. So it's like, people do have these like crazy experiences. Um, I, you know, not getting too much of the film, but like what, what was the, is that the vibe you get out there? It's just, you're just eerie at night. It's the, the thing that makes it eerie is that it, there's so much open space and there's so few people that any kind of feeling like that comes up when you're alone out there and there's just something off and it's immediately just, the creepiest thing you've ever <laughs> experienced because you're there, there shouldn't be anybody out there. Right. Like, why would they yeah. be out there? Why would you be out there? You know, like, yeah, and so, yeah, any kind of activity it comes across as creepy and yeah, it, it's who knows how many of these stories are just like, Oh, these are just some drug runners coming through here or like, eh, this is some, you know, eight foot tall humanoid uh, uh, that glows and has a devil face. I don't know, but the yeah, we got, <laughs> we got, we got creepy feelings here and there. Right, Derek. Yeah. It's a dark sky community out there too. So that allows you to see some of this stuff that you normally might not see, especially the UFO, the ghost light, that kind of thing, the, the things that light up, 
So, you know, that's something you got to keep in mind too, is, is once you're out there, you're like, man, it's really dark and really creepy out here. And that's why, because, you know, everybody legally has to turn their lights out. And you, you can oh. see everything in the sky, anything that's moving, you're seeing it. So who knows, who knows what's, <laughs> what's what up there. <laughs> there was, I like, again, not to blow too much, but there was like daytime UFO sightings as well too, though, wasn't there? There's a popular one. Yeah, there was one up in Anza called Goldie, um, and that was that was unique for being a daytime uh, UFO. It was a gold-colored orb that would come from the direction of, I think it was uh, Takwish Peak. Is that right, uh, Derek? I think um, it was Kuya Mountain, wasn't it? Takwish Peak is in Idlewild. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, yes. Talk with me. No, I think it came from Kwea Mountain or Thomas Mountain. One of those two over there. It went back and forth between two mountain peaks. Well, they said it was Takwish, the creator god, um, moving. Yes. That was what the, the Native American legends were uh, about it. But yeah, there's this uh, light called Goldie. And then there's an account we found. Um, and And then one of the... Uh, interviewees that we talked to talked about this uh, a story from the 1800s of a couple going through there and uh, getting stuck at sundown. Um, and right before the sun went down, there's this light and they called it the curse of the dancing sun. And there's just uh, all these cool legends. Uh, and, and now they call it, and Derek can correct me again if I'm wrong, but alien mountain is, is uh, another nickname for that place. Yeah, You're correct. Alien Mountain. That's great. <laughs> I'll it's check like, in. It's, it's nice to see Sexy Dan is the exact same way. <laughs> <laughs> I told, I told him we're me. at Universal I'm supposedly Sexy Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody has to have a bearded, you know, smart guy on their podcast. So, I mean. <laughs> they do. <laughs> uh, or, yeah, it's it got real quiet all of a sudden. That was <laughs> unusual. <laughs> Um, uh, it's, yeah, like you guys talked about, like, yeah, we're not just like paranormal and stuff like that, but also like a UFOs. Like, you had the documentary is great because you also pulled in a lot of like kind of the who's who of the uh, some of the other paranormal podcast communities and stuff. Like, I know you had uh, you had Sprague, you had Ryan Sprague on there, um, mm-hmm. you know, and his forte is is UFO, so having him talk about some of the stuff on there as well. Um, it's just like, yeah, like out there in the things, like they had the black there's mention of black triangle UFOs. Like this place is just like, it is just overflowing with paranormal stuff, but it's just, I, I don't know. The, it just, it's, it looks so much like, like you guys are having a good time aside from the heat stroke, but like, <laughs> like, like you guys are having a good time. <laughs> just almost it, dying, you know, searching for the mysteries. Like, I didn't like, I don't know. Like look pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. It's a real mixed aside bag. Aside from like, the weather. Yeah. It was a pretty good time. Like, did you guys, so did you guys have like a, ca- like, was there just a camera person like following you or who was like shooting? I just, I like, I'm curious, like just who's shooting the camera. We did. We so hired, we, did. A, we had one camera guy, you know, looking back, I, th- I think that was our biggest mistake that we only hired one, but uh, we had uh, Chris, our camera guy was with us the whole time. And man, he was a trooper. Cause he's logging this 40, 50 pound camera, all these lenses and all this gear Dressed in all black because that's what a camera guy that's does. What a camera guy and does. He's yep. just roast. That's his uniform. There. I felt so bad for the guy. I'm like, yeah, don't don't die out here, please. Just no. don't die. You, you <laughs> know, you know, he, you know, he had a. You light- couldn't have felt that bad. <laughs> he had a lighter camera, but being a being a camera operator, he's like, 
No, I'm not taking no. the 10-pound camera. I want those 2% better. <laughs> I want it 2% better. I'm going to take the 50-pounder. Exactly. And and I know you didn't exactly, feel that bad yeah. because there was a couple shots in there that looked like they were continuous shots where it'd be like you guys walk into a peak and then it was you guys walking to the same peak but way further from up the hill. Which now that I know there was only one cameraman, I know you guys were like, and if why don't you go up there and we'll shoot that? Yeah, shoot shot. down, <laughs> climb to the top <laughs> of that angle. hill. He's like, oh god. He had a he had a drone. Yeah, might have made him walk a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. How long was the shoot in the end? Uh, we figured it up earlier. I think we shot about 12 days total, and that's including the Kickstarter trailer, which we used some of that footage in in the final uh, final film. So we were out there for about 12 days, not consecutively, but broken up over three different trips. Nice. And so it was you did fully fund it on Kickstarter? That's awesome. Uh, I wouldn't say fully funded, but it was pretty much the production angle yeah. of it was yeah. was funded on on Kickstarter. Yeah, you know the post production part got pretty expensive for us. Uh, we didn't know that was going to happen necessarily, so those numbers started adding up. But uh, you know, we, we made it. We're we're through the uh, the rough part. We're about to the finish line. So finish yeah, it, line. it all worked out. It, it all worked out pretty well for us. And thanks to the Kickstarter. You know, without without those only guys, we wouldn't even got started. Yeah. yeah, only because of them. Yeah. So. I was curious, how did you track down, there were so many locals that you talked to and, and stuff. How did you track down all those uh, people accounts? Like, cause you said nothing was really written down or anything. So how, how do you kind of source all these, all these great stories? It was a little bit of luck. Um, our field producer, Roxanne, um, was able to get in contact with um, one girl who had a, a UFO story and then, we oddly enough, when we checked into our uh, Airbnb there, the guy who was giving us the keys and in, in the rundown and stuff, he was like, "Oh, you're talking about weird stuff. Well, I I might have somebody I know that had an experience." And then we got the lady who had the Bigfoot crossing the road. Oh, really? And it's like, wow! <laughs> like, yeah, that that was just a stroke of luck. So, yeah, it was. Well, what we ran into out there is that every single person we talked to had a story. Whether or not they wanted to share that story with us, that was a whole nother ball game. But everybody experienced something strange out there. You would ask them, they'd be like, no, no, it's, well, there's this one thing. <laughs> and they'd clam up and wouldn't talk about it. And we'd have to like drag it out of them for 10 minutes. But uh, a, a lot of people just weren't comfortable talking about it, it seemed like. Uh, it, you know, none of those people made it on camera or anything. But, um, was there any we were, great? We were really story? lucky ones that did. Was there any great story that didn't make like you, you didn't get that you wish you would have that someone wouldn't wouldn't either say it on air or didn't work out? Well, we heard some dogman stuff, uh, like werewolf esque creatures that uh, we didn't get anybody firsthand that 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 had anything like that. We, we really wanted to, uh, but we, we heard a lot of reports of that. I don't. Is there anything else, David, that we we uh, searched I for can, and didn't find? I, I think. We were hoping to get something a little more detail or at least historical about uh, Clark Dry Lake Bed, which is where they had yeah. this antenna array um, that was set up, I think, in, let's see, the, the Navy had that spot in 1938 and used it for um, test runs for um, bombers and things for World War II. And then it was kind of given up and and given over to the University of Maryland who built this just giant like two mile by one mile antenna array to just study 
um, cosmic objects and and how they work and stuff. But NASA uh, partly funded that, and um, and then they, I guess, did their experiments or the funding ran out or something, and they pulled it all up and everything just was left to rot. And now it's just a a weird flat dry lake bed and there's a lot of weird stories associated with it nobody wanted to talk about it yeah well it's an interesting spot to study like to put that kind of study out in that area you know and now you guys have uncovered all this i wonder if that was known uh or at least you know some of these legends were known or when they decided that for the spot uh for that array kind of that's what i was what's What's funny about that array is that they were sending and receiving radio signals to space. Um, they were using it to locate different items and moving objects and, and that sort of thing. But they were sending a signal up there and then presumably receiving it back. And now, you know, some 50, 60 years later, people are seeing UFOs that seem to, you know, approach that area or take off from that area. We had several reports of people saying they saw uh, craft of some sort take off from the Clark Dry Lake bed area, and that kept coming up over and over again. So there, there was something strange going on there, and we we really never did get to the bottom of that. You uh, have to come check in and be like, "Oh, nobody's home." <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> guys, I know this this real cool spot. I used to hit on Earth on my way by. I, oh, where'd he go? Oh, no, capitalism. <laughs> yeah. So after you release this doc, you're going to be the next show featured on the Hunt for Skin, Skinwalker Ranch, but it's going to be the Hunt of the uh, Borrego Triangle. That's that's <laughs> that's next on the yeah. list. Are you guys going to have to fight? Are you guys going to have to fight Travis Taylor? Yeah, he's like duel. <laughs> He's on the warpath right now, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got him if David can't handle him. I'll, I'll just, I'll be your backup, David. You're, hey, I'll see. But... How, how's, how's it like getting old up and naked? <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I'll well, take him. He might bring, he might bring his buddy Dragon with him. So I don't know. <laughs> Dragon, yeah, the bodyguard. <laughs> um so yeah so you guys really you know when this comes out say you know does gangbusters comes out here um and you make some back like what what's the next what's next thing? do you get yeah what's next do you guys go back to Ooh. the do you go back and better equip to borrego or do you we're going to the arctic to... triangle next <laughs> that's what i keep saying <laughs> i told david our next one is hawaii or the caribbean yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek still wants to go to hot humid ass spots i'm i'm like send me to iceland man <laughs> i only well, do I... it if they have water that's the only that's the only way i'll do it <laughs> And it, oh, you it, guys it, go it, to Hestelin and go check out the Hestelin lights. I think that'd probably fit. In Norway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah Norway. Uh, I, I do that. Yes, it's <laughs> like it's a it's a really good documentary, and I'm not just saying that because you guys are on the show. Like I, I, I do really, I did really enjoy it, uh, and I'm someone who watches a lot of these documentaries. It, it's it's got a little something for everyone. As I was watching it, like even my spouse, like was like. Oh, ghost stuff? Like, what's going on here? I've got it, right? And then you start getting the monster. She's like, no, not for me. Oh, what's going on? Like, so there's there's something for everyone in there, which is really nice. And you guys did, like, just really, from a, from another creator standpoint, phenomenal job, guys, on, on this documentary. I really liked it. Um, what's Thank next? You. What's next? Honestly, though, like, what's what's the next step for you guys? Because this is going to do We've well. joked about a sequel. 
Yeah, we've joked about a sequel to this. I mean, it, it all depends on how well this does. If nobody watches this, obviously, we're not going to waste your time. But yeah, uh, there's plenty of stories out there that we didn't even touch on. And uh, a lot of stuff we've discovered since the making of this film. So there's plenty of lore. There's plenty of meat on the bone there to, to do a sequel if we wanted to do it. Um, I don't know if we're ready. I don't know if we're ready to go back so, out there or not. And if we do, it'll definitely be in the wintertime. So, Poirier Go Triangle 2, Electric Boogaloo? Yeah. Uh, that's, yeah. that's been yeah. floated it's around. Uh, I, I think we, we were landing on Electric Boregaloo. Uh, oh, that's I like that. That's yeah, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. Because anytime, if, like this is unknown, rel- relatively unknown. So, if you, when, you, when you put this out and someone sees it close to the area or has a story that they're like... I'm going to reach out to these guys. Like I, I know something. Yeah. Right. There's going to be, a, I mm-hmm. guarantee you there's going to be a lot of that, like either family stories or personal stories that have happened that maybe they told a couple friends and that was kind of the end of it. Like no one's going to believe me or no one cares or there's nowhere to go with this. And as soon as this comes out and people around that area, like I seen the UFO, I'm going to call these guys, let them know. Like that's, that's going to happen. Yeah, once, so once they realize other right. people have experienced this, they're a little more comfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, they see that we're not, like, getting them on camera and being like, oh, look at this dumb schmuck. Oh. Yeah, you're not exploiting uh, anyone like that. You're yeah. just... No, we're, like, genuinely curious. stories. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, well, I mean, everything... Yeah, we're sorry. Yeah, everything was just congratulations. Like, this is, like, a great... Like, I'm so, I'm ha- really happy that it came out. I, I was, like, <laughs> genuinely feeling bad. I thought we had missed it. Like, I thought we had, like, came out. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Uh, but um, yeah, congratulations, guys! Great, Thank you, great job! Thank you. Yeah, Thank we're you. really happy I mean, it came out too. <laughs> it's it, it's taken I think as long as the filming and and editing process to like get everything on the the back end and the distribution and stuff tied up and going. So yeah, it's it's nice to be at this point. And I don't know if we've mentioned it yet or not, but it, it streams on March fifth. That's going to be the next um, question. March 5th yeah. and whereabouts? And uh, yeah, you guys can see it on Apple TV and Amazon Prime. And then um, it's going to come out on other uh, streaming and cable platforms. Uh, Derek, what uh, what are a few of those others? Oh, boy. AT&T U-verse. Yeah, like your direct TVs, that kind of thing. It'll be pay-per-view or rent-to-own. Or not rent-to-own, that's the couch. You can rent or own. For three easy payments of $2. 99.99. Interest rate's really high, so don't rent-to-own it, but... Yeah, it, it'll be For everywhere. What, it won't be hard. It won't be hard to find. But yeah, uh, yeah it'll it'll. Uh, those are the two best places to find it: Apple TV and Amazon Prime. Awesome. Does the show? Are you going to do you have a website or anything for the show or any type of? Yeah, yeah. Page just go it? to bregotriangle dot com. B o r r e g o. No. Yeah, we got more questions though. We're not done. Yeah, I. I what I wanted oh, to ask was. Uh, so now that the documentary is done, you've you've kind of tracked down all these different things. What is your guys' personal view on it? Do you think these are all, are they all kind of connected in this area? Is this, is this something that there's something there or is it, are these just, a, is this a weird area where it's just a lot of individual strange events are happening? Is there a ghost cat? Who's got a ghost cat? <laughs> <laughs> Bring out the cat. Bring it's out the me. cat. Hold. Bring it out. Uh, Derek's trying to strangle his cat off camera to stop oh, yeah. it from meowing right now. <laughs> you don't, you don't. See big old Izzy. She's it's feeding time, and 
and she's unhappy. She's had enough. Um, it's feeding time, and Izzy's hungry. She's gonna start eating your feet here pretty quick. That's exactly what she's saying on the other side of that door. Exactly what she's saying. It's so much so that I didn't hear the question. I was trying to oh. figure out how to get her to stop yelling. I was actually looking around the studio. I thought a cat might have gotten in here for a second. <laughs> Um, what I was saying is, um, like now that you, do they hear her? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we, we, yeah, heard, we heard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what I was asking is, now that you've kind of finished the documentary, you've kind of put all these stories together. You have more. What are your guys' personal thoughts on what's going on in the Borrego Triangle? Is it is it all connected? Is it are these just individual? Is this just like a high lot of individual stories for some reason? What are your guys' personal thoughts on what's going on there? I think for me, it's a perfect storm, uh, frankly. First of all, you have the desert, so everything's just wide open. You can't hide anything in the desert. So anything weird is going to be right out there in front of you. And it's it's a place that's so full of history. You wouldn't think it would be you know, out in the middle of nowhere, but people have been going through this area for thousands of years. So you know, you have the history, you have that, that wide open, strange space. Uh, it, it just kind of it's the perfect breeding ground for these, these types of stories and that type of uh, attitude, you know, that type of feeling, you know, you go somewhere and you're like, this is just a weird place. It, it just makes it really easy to, to fall into that. Now, as far as the, you break stories down individually, there's a few of them that we explored that I went into thinking there might be something to this. And by the end of it, I'm like, there's absolutely nothing to this. And uh, we did a, I think we did a pretty good job of, being honest with the audience, you know, if we, if we looked at something and, and we didn't think it was necessarily paranormal, but still interesting, we covered it and, you know, offered that logical explanation, you know, it might've been this, or it could have been that and not necessarily a ghost. But, uh, for, for each of those that, that took place, there was a couple others that I went in there thinking, there's no way this is real. And I left thinking, mm, maybe <laughs> there might be something to this. So yeah, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's, that's kind of how I left it. And I don't know if there's necessarily an interconnectedness between everything, but there sure is a lot of weird stories out of one concentrated area. So mm-hmm. it seems on the surface like it could be connected. And I'm like, Derek, there there were things I was like, wow, this is really cool. There's there's this story and obviously there's some evidence of it and this and that. And then, you know, it comes out like, that's not really the case. And um and then for the Sasquatch creatures and stuff, you don't think the desert's being very hospitable to something like that. And then we talk to a, a dude that actually knows what he's talking about. And we see the terrain. We feel the difference in the temperature when you move to a new spot. And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, this what that I thought was impossible could actually be possible now. You know, mm-hmm. so the, the, needle, the needle's just kind of all over the place. <laughs> right on. Now, what, what was the EMF readings out there? I kept getting a like a 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 on the little thing that I had in at Yaki Well. Um, it would it would just spike here and there. I couldn't Randomly. find any like nothing consistent. Any, yeah, nothing consistent. No good reason or or like spot that it would happen in. So it was it was weird, but it it was um, it wasn't in there wasn't enough information for me to come to any kind of conclusion about it. I don't think you I feel had like a lot it was of success just in enough to inc- cuz you sorry. weren't wearing all leather. Mm. Like black leather <laughs> and like a leather trench coat. 
Yeah. <laughs> that heat, Jesus. Yeah. Bedazzled jeans, maybe. Yeah. I told Derek half my wardrobe is going to be like Neo stuff. So <laughs> we had to get a stretch goal for that. That's in the sequel. <laughs> exactly. My, yeah, my uh, biggest shadows to reloaded or whatever when we fight the Merovingian. <laughs> these are all there. great names. Somebody write yeah. these down. Good thing it's all it's, re- it's recorded down. My we biggest got it. challenge. My biggest challenge throughout the whole recording was just raining keeping in me David's quiet. wants and needs. The mustache wax. He wanted horses. He wanted man. Yeah, David. David looks like a guy who have a huge retainer. Like he wants only the brown M and M's. He wants, you know. He had a whole list. Yeah, yeah. I had, fifteen uh, left left boots. No joke though. That, like the right in the pre planning stages, we we went back and forth a lot about whether or not we would do like live action um, re retellings of these stories. Like, were we going to? Oh yeah dress up, you know, as, as the old West guns, gunslingers who, cause there was a story about uh, uh, a ghost horse and rider that, or the rider got shot. So the ghost horse took off before, <laughs> before he was a ghost, he was a horse. And then afterward, anyways, I'm getting it all out of, con, out of control. Um, but there was this, you know, story of this bandit robbery gone wrong and greed and stuff. And we were like, are we going to do like this, uh, uh, retelling of it and and we will be actors in it and this and that and i was like we got to get horses number one Mm. number two we got to ride those horses like we should get some motorcycles we should go ripping through (laughs) there on that like and and this is all true i'm not i'm not exaggerating Derek can back me up on this i wanted to like get out there on horses and we were just like well hey we're available all right. <laughs> what do you need? We got IMDb credits. Like yeah. we're ready for this. Hey, I feel like you guys got the cowboy hats, and then you're like, ah, oh, the horses. Damn it! You spin, spin it all in the hats. Yeah. You know what? Like I would have loved budget, to see yeah. on the ridge, on the ridge. Like I could picture that in a couple dusters, right, overlooking Man Tracker style. <laughs> right. That would have been love yes. Man Tracker sequel. Right. Lot man of, Tracker. Yeah. A lot of good ideas for the sequel here. <laughs> We're going to set Derek loose with like a six hour head start. And then I'm going to come out on a horse after him. And yeah. I would do yeah. that. And then man trackers coming after both of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think it's called. And then it's then real Sandman's going after him. This is- <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, so like, great. I do love yeah. that show though. That is a good show. Yeah, I've thought of that show in years. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I've, I was, I have such a, high confidence in myself that I would, I had it all planned out how I was going to not get tracked by the man. Uh, in that, <laughs> you, you'd be tracked <laughs> so fast. <laughs> you'd be toast. Last a day. I tell you, I thought of it all out. Right. You finding your candy by rabbit. Dude, that, that, hor- <laughs> that horse would hear <laughs> the sticks, <laughs> sticks crack under your feet from a mile away. Um, you I just gotta go. There's no stopping. Fun. Yeah. You can't I sleep. Is the you can't stop. Show, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize man tracker was, I thought it was a Canadian show. It is. So, I so saw it, it on like yeah. the Science Channel or something it a few that, years man. back. So you guys had the same like the there was the OG man tracker who would actually like la, like lasso people. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh he and he didn't take any shit self anybody like no. he he was yeah. just like shut up I'm doing my job. <laughs> what he was he awesome. Can you get him for the sequel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably already living out there. I bet. Mm. If anyone could track of a Sandman, it's him. 100%. Sandman tracker. 
There's our, Sean, yeah, there's our next idea. There's, we a, just there's the sequel right there. These things. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think his, I think Nailed his name it. is, no, not, no, Terry Grant is the original uh, man tracker. I don't know what he's doing now, but I'm just saying that would make some good material. I don't know what the budget's like yet, right? But just keep that as an idea, right? Bring man tracker in, Borrego Desert, see what you can do, right? You're all dressed the exact same. <laughs> gold, baby. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing with a shotgun? <laughs> like, what are you not doing with one? Right. It's good. Awesome, boys. <laughs> well, hey, you're not just documentary filmmakers. You're also podcasters. So if no one's heard of uh, your shows, like, let, let, let the people know. Well, I run a show called uh, Monsters Among Us Podcast. I release every Thursday, and it's a call-in show about... Well, monsters, ghosts, UFOs, aliens, uh, anything strange and unusual. Uh, we've been going for, what, eight years now. Uh, every Thursday, Thursday morning, something like that. Get it wherever you find podcasts. Boom. David. Good ones. I host uh, Blurry Photos podcast. I release whenever I get the research done, <laughs> which <laughs> takes for freaking ever. Um I've been doing that since 2012, and then I'm co-hosting Hysteria 51 with Brent Hand, and uh, I also have a trivia podcast with my wife called Quiz Quiz Bang Bang, and uh, I did a little short stint with uh, a Tom Lyons written podcast called Five Minute Frights, which is just little narration um, tidbits here and there. I think I did about 24 episodes of that, and then uh, Tom got tired of work writing. <laughs> Mm. Um, so that's what I got uh, going on. Hell yeah, boys. If you have any podcast ideas, David's open. He's looking for. <laughs> He's <more>. always ready. <laughs> <laughs> I am that. Dumb. Two free David hours a day. A like podcast mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's the hour we promised. That's the hour we can do. Uh, my beer is empty, so it's March fifth is the release date. Correct. We'll yep. make sure to, uh, with when this podcast release, we'll put it in the show notes, where to go, what to do. Uh, support the boys, support the documentary. And uh, let's try and get a sequel going. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Thank you, yeah, guys. Thanks. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on the show. And as we always say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies. Mm-hmm.